Hello and welcome to the Arrow Video Podcast with Sam and Dan. My name is Dan Martin, special effects artist and podcaster, and I'm joined, as ever, by my lovely co-host... Sam Ashurst, and I'm a writer, I'm a director, and I'm beyond excited to be talking about my choice for this fortnight, Eight Diagram Pole Fighter. Now, this is one that we've talked about on the podcast before. It was a recommendation. I can't remember if it was on Crippled Avengers or Dirty Her, but go back and listen to those episodes if you haven't heard them already. They are our first two Shaw episodes. Dan, I know that you're a fan of this film. What's your kind of history with it? I think this might be the first time I've not seen it dubbed. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was one of the very first Shaw Brothers films I saw. I saw it on VHS. I think I watched it in the back of a skateboard shop in Winchester. Amazing. (laughs) Yeah, like, it's an interesting one because while I do love it, it feels it's I'm less in love with it now that I've seen more Shaw, if that makes sense. Like, it's still a great film. The fights are fantastic. It's sort of like one of the the latter-day traditional martial arts films from, from Shaw coming out in, like, 1984. And and yeah, it's it's a great movie. I I wasn't aware of a lot of the, the like the history mm-hmm. around the film mm-hmm. and and why it is the way it is until I saw this version this time. I learned from this disc that it's a adaptation of a play, and that explains a lot in terms of the kind of early staging and the opera, yeah, the operatic feel. It it starts very much like a play without the usual level of Shaw Studios production design before it gets kind of increasingly more cinematic, leading to what I feel is one of the greatest third acts in cinema history. I love the ending of this movie so much. We're not going to spoil oh, yeah. it, obviously. It's so good. We can't. We yeah. really can't. But yeah, there's so much I learned from this disc. How did you feel like going through the extras on, on this one? Because I think that's part of what makes this a really special release. Yeah, it's it's a it's a really good release. It's got a good... Like, the audio commentary is fantastic. It feels like, like someone info-dumping enthusiastically at you. The interviews are great. There's a really good overview of it. I think that if you haven't seen this before, and if you've seen a bunch of Shaw pictures, depending on what it is you like about Shaw, there's a good chance that the best version of this movie is going to be the one like just after you hear about the history of the film and Mm -hmm. it's slightly like difficult birth Mm -hmm. so without without getting too stuck into it and jumping a little bit ahead to sort of talk about extras i guess Mm. the 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 thing you have to remember about it when you go into it is that sheng fu one of the one of the main characters in the film one of the two brothers in the film the actor died in a car accident during production and they had to finish the film without him and that meant that there was quite a lot of rewriting done the focus of the movie shifted and i assume that third act would have originally included those two brothers sort of getting together and fighting alongside yeah which it obviously didn't have and like so there are there are two things and this is you, you know you know what it's like you love a film and then you you talk about the bad stuff and it sounds like you're shitting on it and I'm very much not the the two things that that left me very slightly cold with the movie are firstly that a lot of the middle act the second act of the film the martial arts stuff on display is very disciplined performance mm-hmm. like showing off and like going through the going through the steps so it feels quite paced mm-hmm. it doesn't feel as frantic and and i do think that that is very much made up for in the third act when it gets unbelievably bloody in a very fun way <laughs> that's it i mean that's why it's one of my all-time favorites because for me this is the perfect balance of the different kinds of sure stuff that i like because you know, I love the epic stuff they do. 
and I love the crazy, over-the-top, wild stuff they do. And this feels like a really progressively exciting and intense journey that really incorporates the very best of, of what Shaw does. And some of those kind of stunts and some of those, like, yeah, some of the moves at the end, I'm just like, holy hell, like, how did they do that? Yeah, I, I just love it so much. Like, I'd, I'd rank it uh, alongside stuff like Terminator 2 in terms of the fast-paced plot and the stunning set pieces. Um, and yeah, like I say, the, the M fight is a true all-timer. It's just jaw-dropping to me. Every time I watch this film, I'm like, oh my God, this is incredible. I mean, yeah, that's a that's a, an accolade to give it. I'm not sure I'd put it quite that level. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I think, I'm I think sensing actually, that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like the... It, it, it's really lush especially once you get out of that very theatrical opening yeah it, it does feel really lush and one of my like long list recommendations which i which i won't be using was uh Zhang Zhimu's curse of the golden flower okay yeah, just yeah. because it, it it really does feel like one of the most like luxurious shaw brothers films in for that sure and like the second half of the first act through to like the beginning like the first half of the second act Mm -mm. like the sets are kind of bigger and even though there are some bits you'll recognize from other films like some some stuff in studio that you'll recognize like it's all been redressed it's really beautifully put together Mm. and it's certainly it, it feels feels bigger than a lot of their other pictures so there's a lot more spectacle in that side of things in the production design yeah and when i very first watched this i wasn't sure about the feel of that opening battle like it does feel cheap but i gloss over it in subsequent watches but now having watched this disc and and listened to the brilliant commentary by jonathan clements one of the best arrows ever put out in terms of the sheer scale of, of information communicated and it's a perfectly choreographed dance engaging with what's on screen in a really elegant way and and we get details on the actors on the historical context and stuff you just would never notice i can say this this isn't a spoiler it's in the first like five minutes and it's not that big a detail but there's a moment where someone gets killed and people run over him like backwards and forwards and like with their footsteps and i'd always just kind of taken that for granted oh okay that's a thing it's slightly unusual but that's a thing that's how this person is is getting killed but then the reveal that in the stage productions uh, at that time that would represent someone being run over by a horse trampled by a horse exactly not run over that's a, that's what cars do isn't it uh, horses <laughs> trample down um so yeah the 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 idea that they're really actually setting the stage literally by having like a, a theatre production play out. And I love, you know, I love adaptations of theatre stuff. It just added a real layer of appreciation for me. And that's what I'm always looking for in extras. Um, anything that can add to my experience and my enjoyment of the movie. And this one has it in spades. Like, there's just so much in, in this commentary. So, yeah, I but I hear what you're saying. I do hear what you're saying. We should probably do the plot of this film, Dan, after we've discussed the extras and our our complete feelings about it because we haven't done the plot yet 
Do you want to do it this time? Uh, no, Dan. <laughs> no. It's never me. It's always you. It's been almost five years oh. now. <laughs> yeah, I know. I thought I could get over that. I just, I'm just not going to remember any names, so I'm going to have to be very vague. A big family. They've got lots of sons. Most of the sons, all but two, get killed in a sort of ambush with another family that they have an ongoing spat with. This is all historically sort of like referenced, by the way. So yes, it was a play, but before it was a play, it was it was history. Yes, yes. So this is... And, and not to jump off the plot too quickly but that's another thing is that i find when and obviously sure borrow from history a lot for their stuff there's loads of historical elements oh yeah but my i think my least favorite shaw brothers film that i've seen is tiger killer oh which, like, yeah what a title yeah 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 and then it's so dry and yeah. boring yeah, yeah and i think it's also because it's like it's just four chapters of water margin yep. plucked from the middle yeah no context <laughs> And, you know, as much as I love the Water Margin TV series, I'm not au fait enough with the story to be able to be thrown into, like, just a chunk of that story. Yeah. With very little fighting. Yeah, um, we watched that one together, I, I remember, and we were both so hyped. Yeah. Like, Tiger Killer, he's going to kill tigers. He's going to kill tigers. <laughs> tons and tons There's of no tigers. tigers in it. Yeah. Well, I guess he killed all the tigers before the film started. <laughs> that would be why there's no tigers in this film. <laughs> but that sort of plus the, the you know the loss of one of their colleagues during production means that the film occasionally feels a little um, a little somber. Yeah. Yeah. But I wanted more excitement. I wanted more glee uh, in the uh, in the Lucas bloodshed because there is stuff in that very theatrical opening mm. as well. So yeah. Anyway, back to the plot. <laughs> so the the opening that very theatrical. It's also all shot in a big cyclorama. Thank you, Blu-ray. You can see all the breeze blocks making up the wall in the background. Yeah. You see the first battle, which kills I think one of the sons. Mm-hmm. Is that right? And then there's a little chat at the family, and they're like, "Oh, you know, this is our this is our destiny." You know, we, we sometimes we have to lose children for the greater good. Uh, but don't worry, we'll get our own back at the next one. And then the next one happens and they lose all all of their sons but two. Yeah. One of whom goes like full on like crazy. Well, there's uh, there's a just there's a tricky prophecy where uh, what, what does it say, Dan? So the prophecy is and I don't know if the confusion here is purely in the translation, but the uh, there are seven brothers mm-hmm. uh, and the prophecy is only six shall return which you know that feels like not too bad you've lost one of your children that sounds pretty in line with what you expected yeah and they say oh but which which one will it be says one of the sisters knowing full well that it's not going to be one of the sisters so obviously more blase yeah um but it turns out that they actually mean only sixth brother only number six yeah. will return. But luckily enough, one of the others, uh, while he hasn't returned, has uh, gone off and hidden in a Shaolin temple where he spends a long time convincing them to let him be a Shaolin monk to train with them, mm. which he does by mutilating his head, which is quite exciting. Yeah. Some of those, those prosthetics are really good. Like, but I was I was pleasantly surprised how they held up with the... Uh, with the blu-ray treatment because you know so often is the way you see these films particularly from this era i mean i get this era this is 80 84 that, that's the other thing about this film is, <laughs> is it's much more modern than like maybe i realized at the time when right. i first watched it right right i guess in my mind all of the shaw like sort of martial arts epics are 70s right like, yeah, late yeah. 60s late through, 60s through to mid 70s yeah 
and and because they are period there's nothing to really distinguish them yeah from the era you know like from each other nothing to show you what era they were made in yeah so yeah it's an interest it's it's certainly an interesting one but yeah so one of the brothers has gone mad and is at home and then has to be written out because of uh, obviously the death of Sheng Fu and then the the other brother goes and convinces the Shaolin monks to sort of take him on and he casts off his his high level skills as a spear killer and instead embraces their skills as a wooden staff dentist. Yes, there you go. Perfect. You see, <laughs> you can do that off the cuff, no problem. It's interesting what you say about the era. That isn't something that I considered because exactly the same as you, I just kind of, I don't even think of the year when I'm watching these movies. They all just kind of merge into one, really. But yeah, this was released in the same year as like The Terminator, The Neverending Story, which I know you love, Dan. You love that. You love that luck dragon in Neverending Story, don't you? Yeah, the the wonky-faced paedophile dragon. <laughs> um, and A Nightmare on Elm Street, speaking of wonky-faced paedophile dragons. Beverly Hills <laughs> Cop, Threads, though, you know. <laughs> that's probably not uh, comparable but yeah Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom so Ghostbusters for Christ's sake that was released in 1984 so yeah there, there's some kind of high level well, competition for people's <laughs> entertainment uh, when well, this and came in, out and in in Asia it went up against like the, the, the general tone of what people wanted had shifted mm. and I think the two highest grossing films in Asia in 84 were Project A, mm. uh, the Jackie Chan picture, yeah. and uh, and there was a Sammo Hung one as well that Sammo had directed, mm. and and you can see like, tonally this was very very different from what was successful at the time, which were the the sort of the fun rubber faced ladder jumping antics of Jackie Chan. Yeah, uh, is it Wheels on Meals? Was the the Sammo film that you're thinking of? No, it's not. It's it's not. I, I I looked it up, and it was one that I'd heard of, but wasn't super super familiar with. Okay. Um, it's not a. It's not. It's directed by Samo. It's not a Jackie Chan film, although he does have a cameo in it. Okay. Well, yeah. Oh, that's interesting. But Wheels on Meals is from 1984. It is directed by Samo, and it was does have the action choreographed by Jackie Chan. So. Oh yeah, but Jackie's Jackie's in it. Well, that's just me trying to squeeze in a, a recommendation. Wheels and Wheels is great. Yeah, <laughs> we're kind of moving into the recommendation zone, aren't we? Uh, just one last quick thing on the extras for this beautiful restoration. It's two K and it looks absolutely gorgeous. I can't not mention. The brilliant Tony Rains. There's another kind of interview, kind of appreciation here with Tony. He is always brilliant. And, and basically, if you listen to Tony's appreciation and, and Jonathan's commentary, you will be an expert on Eight Diagram Pole Fighter. It's a comprehensive guide to, to this movie in every possible way. And it's absolutely masterful. You kind of combine Clements's passion, humour and excitement, which is really infectious, with Tony's more measured and and dry not that either you know is lacking because of the approach I'm just mentioning these these things because it's just a perfect balance everything you want is on this disc about this film so thank you Arrow for putting out such a lovely release for one of my 
all-time favourite movies, even if Dan's like, oh, yeah, it's a bit rubbish, isn't it? Eight Diagram Pole Fighter, load of old shit. Right, Dan? That's what More you're like saying, isn't it? More like Seven Diagram Pole Fighter. <laughs> Brilliant. That doesn't work. Um, oh. <laughs> the, the, uh, so one thing, one thing for our listeners is that uh, the, the release that we're discussing is a US and Canada exclusive. Yes. Um, it is available in the UK on another label, but what I would say is that that other label does not have any of these extras. Yeah, exactly. Um, and and so if you have a if you have a multi-region player it's it's worth the the punt on the on the international version. Absolutely and not the the same level of restoration as well like I say this is a 2K release. More like shite diagram pole fighter, right Dan? <laughs> Uh, hate, hate diagram. Hate, there we go. We got there in the end. All right, well, I think that's about it. Let's move on to recommendations based on the film. Dan, what are you going to recommend for Eight Diagram Pole Fighter? My first recommendation is a Shaw Brothers movie from 1974 directed by Chang Che. Oh, nice. It's another martial arts film that has very demonstrative, like, style fighting. So if you like Eight Diagram Pole Fighter and that's your bag, then this has a lot of that in it. But more importantly, it has some fantastic fights from Shang Fu, who obviously we were sadly robbed of in Eight Diagram Pole Fighter. It's Heroes 2. It, it divides people a little bit in possibly in the same way that Eight Diagram Pole Fighter has divided Sam and I. I don't think anyone who enjoys martial arts films is going to say it's a bad movie. It's not. It's got yeah. great choreography in it. Um, it's relatively light on plot. It's very, very heavy on uh, on fights, but the fights are kind of... I, I feel like there's a phrase I know and I'm I'm forgetting for when they like show off like technique, when they do a performance. I don't know what it's called. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it'll come to me later, maybe next episode. But yeah, anyway, it's full of that kind of stuff. And, and you know, more traditional martial arts fighting as well. Great. Heroes 2. Brilliant. Well, Dan, I am going to recommend uh, another Shang-Chi movie. And it's uh, weirdly about a tiger killer. And it's <gasps> it's also adapted from the water margin. But it's not tiger killer. Don't worry. <laughs> I wouldn't betray you in that way. It's actually The Delightful Forest. Oh, yes. Fantastic. Yeah. Which is another kind of epic story of brotherhood and revenge with a brutal third act fight. Like I say, directed by the legendary Chang Che. This is as complex and as cool as you'd expect from uh, that incredible director. I'm not even going to attempt to go into the plot. Just trust me that it's a perfect Shaw Brothers movie that will go really well with Eight Diagram Pole Fighter. The Delightful Forest. I recommend it. Dan, what's next? Yeah, much, much more. Much, much more plot heavy than uh, Eight Diagram Pole Fighter. That's why I'm not. I, I missed. That's why I'm not even going to try to go into it. It's just yeah, all this, all, <laughs> all the water margin ones are more dense than uh, your average shore. But yeah, there's just something about Delightful Forest that I find very special. And it's a relative deep cut. I don't think it's going to yeah, turn up a- on the next Arrow box set. But we'll see. I tell you what, even even with what the smack we talked about, Tiger Killer, I'd love to see a box set of all of the Water Margin movies. Oh from my Brothers. god, yes! Arrow, are you listening to us there in Arrow Towers? Can you hear our broadcast, please? We're begging you, give us a Water Margin set. That would be incredible, and it would sell in oh. the billions. I'd say. Yeah, 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 yeah. At, at least. least one billion. <laughs> all right. Well, what's uh, <laughs> what's next for you based on the movie? The next one is another Li Chia Liang uh, picture from mm. 88. This is not a Shaw Brothers film. Obviously, Eight Diagram was his penultimate picture with Shaw Brothers. He'd done one film between leaving Shaw and this one, I think. It's one of my like 
teenage favorite action films i stumbled across it when i was buying vcds from chinatown from like the weird back rooms in chinatown and it's remained a perennial favorite i revisited it a few years ago and it's as good as i remember it's the egg chugging machete twirling chainsaw dueling masterpiece that is Tiger on Beat, hey. uh, starring Chow Yun Fat from 1988. We're obsessed with tigers today, but yeah, that's a great it's, choice. It, it's I, when you said tigers, I, I for, a, for a brief moment I thought I'd been gazumped. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah, an absolute treat. Uh, it's, it's literally got a chainsaw duel in it. Like, what more could you want? Exactly. You know, um, I yeah. I spent in my teens. I spent about like six months like teaching myself learning how to do the machete spin that he does in tiger on the beat and it was only revisiting it recently that i watched it in high enough quality that you can see that it's attached to his palm with a piece of string (laughs) (laughs) oh man and i get i get that you're not gonna pay chayon fat to spend six months doing one like relatively small gag but yeah i had a brief job in a, like a home stores shop and i was just like throwing rolling pins around trying to work out how to do it oh, i love it that's incredible wow all you needed was a piece of string to stop you from uh, scarring your arms for life yeah what i ended up doing was wrapping uh roofing lead around the handle of a machete that i'd blunted down so i wouldn't hurt myself so that the center of gravity was all down in the handle Ah, oh, that makes sense. Because I could do it on top of my palm. Mm. Basically, there's this really cool moment where, right at the end of the movie, where Chayon Fat just straps on poor bastard to the front of a car and then ram raided a building for the bad guys. There's that, there's oh, there's that amazing bit with the shotgun and the rope where he's like throwing the shotgun out so it fires around a corner and then pulling it back to catch himself, which also reloads the shotgun. It's an effortlessly cool film. But yeah, when he first steps out of that car, he like pulls a machete out from a holster and then spins it in his hand but he spins it like under his hand so he flicks it and it does a full 360 and then he recatches it it's just showboating but he does it with his palm facing down and i could i'd say within about like a couple of weeks i could do it with my palm facing up but i couldn't do it with my palm facing down for ages until i started dicking about with the actual structure like the gravitational structure of the thing i was doing it with what I didn't realise was, yeah, there was just a bit of string there. <laughs> so that it didn't fall out, fall off his hand. Oh, that's so good. Yeah, we mentioned briefly Nightmare on Elm Street earlier. My equivalent story to that is that I bought a replica Freddy glove from a second-hand market where I grew up. But it wasn't one of those plastic ones. It actually had metal, proper metal. Amazing. Yeah, and I was about, I would say, I was in an irresponsible age to own this, so... I think I was around 11, something like that. But the guy... The perfect age to yeah, own. Yeah, because, because, because it was a second-hand market. Like, the guy was just like, yeah, sure. Just, ha- yeah, there you go. Whatever, yeah. <laughs> as long as you've Three got... Three pounds, done. As, exactly. As long as you've got my free quid, off you go, young one. And so, yeah, I spent a, a great deal of time attacking trees and the earth in the garden with my... Uh, actually sharp freddy glove until my mum noticed what i was doing and uh it mysteriously disappeared from my bedroom that night (laughs) and it was never seen again so i went to sleep and i do i still believe now that freddy came back and reclaimed his his actual glove but um who knows what happened dan who knows but anyway i'm trying like I'm wondering, like, was it the the making of a film fan lunatic who who had made this 
thing and then realized it was too powerful for him to own and he had to <laughs> get rid of it on a second-hand market. Yeah. Or did you briefly have in your ownership an actual screen-used prop? Oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, Imagine if you'd had the hero prop from Nightmare on Elm Street. Not the, not the, the soft one that he uses when he's doing the terrorizing, but in those close-ups yeah. when you first see it. Where it has to be all shiny. All, like all the rusty metals got those shiny bits on yeah. it. You just can't do any other way. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, you've really kind of... You may have divided my family forever by saying that, Dan. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I will never forgive my mum if she threw away the uh, the screen-used uh, Freddy glove. But anyway, I, I'll deal with that when I, I finish this record. I'm going to, instead of talking about my uh, my childhood, I'm going to talk about Vengeance of a Snow Girl from 1971. So relatively early sure one of the things i love about eight diagram pole fighter is the roles for women are as significant as those for the men as is so often the case with sure cinema so i thought i'd recommend a female-led and relatively deep cut selection vengeance of a snow girl it's about a young woman seeking revenge for the murder of her parents an event that's left her injured as well and it has some of the kind of somber feel of pole fighter but it's also very awesome with some fantastic fights. It was Lowe's final film for the Shores before he went on to work with Bruce Lee on Fist of Fury. So there's some major pedigree there too. But yeah, it's just kind of an early example of the mixture of kind of sombre and wild with some cool weapons. Again, Jesus Christ, there's a glove. <laughs> there's a, uh, a bear claw glove, a golden bear claw glove in this movie. So everything's coming together in this episode, Dan. There's so many crossovers. It's beautiful. Um, it's almost like we did a bit of planning. Yeah, but we didn't. We, we promise you, precious Arrowhead, we will never no. plan this 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 job that we have. We'll never plan. Yeah. Yeah. Well, listen, that... listen. Occasionally, <laughs> I write some stuff down, and you'll like it. <laughs> but um, but mostly not. Uh, which slightly awkwardly, because we don't plan anything, leads us into movies from the last couple of weeks. Dan, what have you been watching? I watched uh, an amazing film from 2000. It's a Dutch picture. Good luck finding it. Hmm. <laughs> By Gert de Graaf. I apologise for presumably butchering that name. I think it's, it's, if not his only feature, then it's it's one of only a couple. I, I really struggled to find anything out about him because I wanted to find more. It's a really like interesting... It's all shot on mini-DV. It's got a very sort of like... It, like You'd almost think it looks like an early found footage movie, except it's not a found footage movie. It's kind of a study on the self like it's very philosophical um it's about art and what art takes out of an individual and how an individual can come to know themselves through their art Mm -hmm. but the film itself is ostensibly a collection of optical illusions Mm. and it's called the sea that thinks and it's absolutely lovely oh wow it's not going to be for everyone it's quite slow <laughs> but but it's uh, it's really nice and it, it it kicks off with a couple of of big classic optical illusions at the top and then it yeah it it, it sort of meanders around a little bit it's it's almost all voiceover with uh, with some performance going on as well and you're never quite sure if what you're watching is the film or is something that a character in the film is watching mm. wow that sounds really yeah, cool it's really nice yeah how did you stumble across this one that sounds really really cool i saw it on a video website <laughs> oh okay all right say no a, more a friend a friend recommended it and i got sent and they sent me a, a link to like it wasn't daily motion but it was one of those you know right, like one of right, the not right. youtubes yeah 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 sorry i like i i, I tried to find it to buy it because i wanted to i wanted to watch it at better quality but i i am unable to find a copy of it right all right well it, one of dan's uh 
classic deep cuts there but hopefully when you talk about these kinds of movies either arrows listening in or or other distributors because um we have actually i've been going through i've been trying to build a letterbox for this podcast dan because obviously we we had one once just our recommendations rather than all the ones that we talk about no literally everything Oh, wow. Because you know, okay. like, obviously we had one in the past that was uh, created by a lovely listener of the show, Nick Vesberg, but then he became a father. And so he put a little note on the page to say he's just not going to be able to do it anymore. So that went up to episode 75. I am now uh, beyond that with my compilation. So as soon as I finished it, it is kind of an epic, epic undertaking because we've done, what, 130 or whatever it is. So there's still loads to go. But when that is finished, I will be putting that live. So and then I'll be updating it with every episode again. But yes, the point is, as I've been going through it, I've realised, oh, my God, there's so many films that we talked about in the early days of the podcast that have now had kind of fancy blu-ray releases like against the odds you know stuff like tomorrow i'll wake up and school myself with tea which at the time of talking about yeah it, i just never thought that would be released ne- on yeah, blu-ray ne- amazing yeah and there's there's many many others that we've kind of both discussed so fingers crossed that these really super deep cut weird ones you know fingers crossed that they get a, a blu-ray release i've got uh, i've got two thoughts for you sam go on the first is we're we're tastemakers, so you oh, know hell yeah. people should probably send me panettons and stuff. Yeah, same. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. But the <laughs> ideally on uh, sixteen millimeter only or eight millimeter. Yeah, I'm not I, fussy. I want I, I want to do exercise bike, but I want to be shouted at by masters of horror. There you go. I want. Oh, can you um, like you know how with like the Mortal Kombat games they release you know oh now you can get freddy now you can get the predator now you yeah. can get jason Voorhees. you know whatever yeah angus scrim and you know how these terrifying instagram filters and, and snapchat filters are, are actually pretty good at tracking faces and mm-hmm. like oh now you look like you're in a pixar movie now you look like you know whatever yeah why isn't peloton or a similar company letting me do exercise while being berated by my choice of characters from horror films <laughs> yeah that, i mean that yeah or at least not not even berated like they're chasing after you <gasps> that's even better yeah just like you put a min- put a an ipad in a thing that looks like a rear view mirror yes there you go put it on your exercise bike and you're being chased by a pack of zombies i mean there is a there's a there's an audio app for the uh, for the you know your your smartphone hmm. that allows you to pretend you're being chased by zombies it's like narrative it tracks how much you move and it mm-hmm. delivers chunks of story every time all like as though they're fed over radio to you mm. it it was good enough that it got me to run twice sam whoa yeah not just once twice oh wow uh, and then my and- love of being chased by zombies was massively outweighed by my hatred of running <laughs> Well, <laughs> twice is very impressive in that case. But yeah, we shouldn't be giving away all of these business ideas. Like, you know, we should take this on to Dragon's Den. Um, we're going to well, be rich, Well, giving away my... Yeah, are we, though? <laughs> no. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's do that. Let's go to Dragon's Den and be like, we've got an idea. You're, you're, you're in a rowing machine, but there's a shark behind you. Yeah, give us give us a hundred million pounds for no percent of, uh, of this idea. Well, actually... Uh, uh, a rowing machine is an even better idea because you're yeah. facing backwards when you row, aren't you? Yeah, and we could you're still facing have where you've gone. So yeah, 
still have, you know, zombies or whatever. They can just be Land of Lake the of Dead. The dead. <laughs> Land of the Dead, Lake of the Dead. Um, we're rambling now. I'm going to go into my next recommendation. It's Lock Up, directed by John Flynn, who did my beloved nice. The Outfit, starring Robert Duvall, as well as Rolling Thunder, Out for Justice, and bizarrely, Brain Scan. Now, we were talking about films, wow. what they've been released on. I watched this on VHS, which I picked up for a dollar, but researching it for this episode, and so yes, I do do some research and preparation, but I discovered that it's been released <laughs> on a 4K Blu-ray. <laughs> what? Yeah, which is insane, but I suppose it kind of makes sense because Lockup stars Sylvester Stallone as Frank Leone, a prisoner who's transferred to a maximum security prison hellhole run by a sadistic warden who absolutely bloody hates him, Dan, six months before he's due to be released. So it's post-Rocky and it has some of that franchise's cheesiness, especially in the end credit song, which is absolutely insane. It made me howl with laughter when it kicked in. But Stallone is sincerely fantastic in this movie. He has a wonderful monologue that's just genuinely very, very well delivered. It's just sincerely good acting. He can step up when he wants to, and he, he's great in this movie. It also features Tom Sizemore. It's his first movie role. He's kind of like a sidekick character with a bit of a twist. And yeah, he's basically as excellent as he always is. I love Tom Sizemore as an actor. But yeah, it's a weird mix of cheesy and gritty with a grindhouse feel in places and melodrama in others. But yeah, I just enjoyed it so much. It's it's a lot of fun. Lock Up from 1989. I do sincerely recommend you watch it. Dan, what's next from you? I like the poster. It looks like it's uh, it's in the... like the Not the boring black and white poster. The cool German poster that looks like it's in the Fist of the North Star universe. Oh my God. Right, I'm going to look this up now. Oh my God. That is rad. Oh, I'm gonna have Isn't to. Isn't that a great poster? I'm, I'm gonna have to buy that poster. I'm gonna have to buy that poster. That, <laughs> that is seems like a very fantastic. sensible use of your money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good point. Actually, I'll get a job and then I'll uh, get a poster. All right. Well, <laughs> what's next from you, Dan? And uh, presumably, from the fact that you just googled it, you haven't seen Lock Up yet. No, I've not seen it. I've not seen Lock Up. That's a that's a recommend for you and Jen. I think you'd enjoy that. Right? One. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm excited about that. My next picture is from 2020, 2021, depending on which country you're in. So it's quite recent. Mm -hmm. It's uh, relatively easy to get hold of. You can pick it up on streaming for a, a, a couple of quid. It had been on my radar, but I hadn't bothered with it until quite recently. Have you seen Kid Detective, Sam? Oh, I haven't, but I've heard good things about this one. Yeah. Oh, Sam, let me let me tell you how accurate those good things are. <laughs> um, I really, I really don't want to spoil it, and it's quite hard to like. I feel like it's not pitched very well in the blurb mm -hmm. because it's so ostensibly it's about a a young man who was a, a local celebrity when he was a child because he solved a couple of little cases and he set up a detective agency and everyone thought it was cute and now he's an adult and his parents are like it's not really a proper job though is it you're not making any money and everything's kind of soured but what the what the blurbs don't talk about is the fact that when he was a kid a young girl went missing from his school and he thought because he was this like kid detective that they should like get him to help out and the police chief obviously wasn't going to ask a child 
and then the girl just you know she just never never turned up like it was it was a tragedy and he always kind of feels like he could have helped but he didn't get an opportunity to so his life was stalled and some of it's resentment and some of it's guilt and it's a really dry very funny movie it's very nicely directed but the storyline is fantastic and as an actual thriller as a neo-noir it is absolutely top draw Mm. it's a fantastic thriller on a pure what happens what you're fed what you can figure out what you're surprised by level Mm. it is brilliant oh yeah, it's 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 absolutely pitch black, like comedy wise, especially when you take an average across the entire picture. It's a really dark film, but it's so good, Sam. Yeah, I don't, I don't really want to say much more about it. It's a fantastic neo noir. It's really beautifully shot. You should you should all watch it. Wow, that sounds just ridiculously up my street. And yeah, it's available in the states. I just looked it up. It's on Hulu apparently, and stars. Uh, so yeah that's how you watch it here not sure how you watch it in the uk but the reason i looked Amazon it up is because i really want to watch it that sounds incredible i i great look forward one. to talking to you about it ahead of our next record because it's great and i think you'll love it excellent hell yeah all right well that's on my list one that might go on your list dan but it's quite tricky to find this is one of my deep cuts it's unfortunately it was released on dvd but that's out of print and the vhs is also out of print I picked up the VHS at a recent swap in Portland. Uh, The film is Stoked, The Rise and Fall of Gator. And it's a very weird precursor to the current true crime trend. It was released in the early 2000s, but all of the footage comes from the 80s and I think maybe some stuff from the 90s. But yeah, it kind of feels like Jackass, if Jackass ended with a horrifying murder. It's a, a documentary and um, the majority of, of the movie feels like a, a biography of iconic 80s skater Mark Gator Rogowski with kind of vague hints of darkness. You know that they're going somewhere pretty messed up. It's kind of an evolution of skateboarding as well because you watch him ride the rise of that sport as it evolves from something that kind of weirdo punks did and got bullied for to... Uh, being a mainstream sport that turned all of these outsiders into celebrities, basically. Gator became this kind of fashionista figurehead. He wore strange clothes and that was picked up on by these kind of fashion labels that used him. Partly also because he had these movie star looks. He he resembles a cross between Johnny Depp and Val Kilmer at, at Kilmer's peak. But yeah, when the darkness creeps in, it's genuinely very, very disturbing. The descriptions of of, of what happened and and some of the photos that you see. And there are these prison access phone calls to Gator that add to the eerie atmosphere. It's kind of similar to like Making a Murderer, where they're not allowed to go into the prison to actually film the person. So all you hear are these kind of voicemail style interviews snapshots so yeah it's it's ahead of its time in many ways but it's also a real snapshot of an era with plenty of vhs footage and photos from the time giving it this kind of nostalgic feel very strange tonally but a big recommendation if you're into documentaries and if you're ever a skater if you ever 
sat at the back of a skate shop, Dan, watching Shaw Brothers movies. I think that's the kind of person that might enjoy Stoked the Rise and Fall of Gator. I recommend it. Thank you, man. I'll check it out. All right. Well, let's move into extra features, extra features, extra features. Extra features? Absolutely no extra features. Nothing. 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 Do not expect any. There's none coming. Instead, we are going to recommend that you follow us on social media in the following ways. Dan, how can the precious arrowheads follow you? I'm at 13FingerFX on both Twitter and Instagram. I've been better at posting of late and... Uh, with a couple of pictures out recently, I'll be able to share some stuff from them. And then uh, we've got some stuff coming out in the near future. Dashcam's about to come out. We can probably share some stuff from Earwig soon. Choose or Die. Seed. Like all these like pictures I did over the last couple of years have, have sort of started to come out now. So I can start to share pictures from the making of, of those. Awesome. Excellent. Well, I am at Sam Ashurst on Letterboxd, actually. Why not? do that if i am putting together this uh, this mega list currently on the list is 1448 films dan definitely gonna Jesus. G- yeah definitely gonna go beyond 2000 so yeah follow so me do a box set yeah well, there you go the complete arrow video podcast box set <laughs> <laughs> If you and can only just, buy each, one box each one set. is in a full-size box. Exactly. If you can only <laughs> buy one box set, buy this one, all of them. Yes, excellent. It's a mile uh, long. to uh, extend your house to fit it on a shelf. But yes, Sam Ashurst, all one word. That's my letterbox name. I got it so long ago that I didn't come up with a, a, a cool, silly name. It's just literally Sam Asher. So follow me on Letterboxd. You can also follow Dan on Letterboxd. He's 13 Finger FX, right? Yeah, I'm, I, that, I'm that on everything. Exactly. No one else is going for that, so it's yeah. all good. Yeah, so 13 Finger FX for Dan on Letterboxd and Sam Asher for me. Same for Twitter and on Instagram. I'm at Sam Ashurst 23 All right, I think that's enough of that. Thank you so much for listening. And we promise to be more professional promise. next time. We promise. Bye bye. Bye. bye.